Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the New Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, and I want to thank you all for joining me today. Uh, I wanted to start off by apologizing for my last podcast uh, when I was doing the schedule breakdown. I am fairly new to this as well as this app, and I wasn't aware that there was a a cap on how many minutes that you could go per episode. Uh, I was kind of rolling right through them, and uh, I was getting near the end, and noticed with my last two breakdowns that I was just about out of time, so I thought I would come back to it today, uh, wrap up those last two matchups at the end of the year, kind of give a an overall um, look, outlook at, at um, how I think the season's going to go, somewhat based off of my last one as well, and just kind of reiterate a couple of things, and uh, talk about a couple other things going on. I figure we can touch on a couple of other things before we get into the roster breakdown, um, as we, as most of us have actually seen the seen the schedule by now, and I'm sure most of you already have your own takes and uh, outlooks on how you think that it's going to go over the year. Um, so I wanted to start and talk a little bit about Chris Sims' take on uh, saying that Jared Stidham is is better than Tua Tungavailoa. Um, uh, like myself, I know that a lot of you have probably looked into that or, or at least heard heard some of the rumblings. Uh, there's been quite quite a bit of talk over the platforms uh, in regards to, to his strengths, weaknesses, and, and how his outlook might be uh, in the upcoming NFL season as well as his, his future and kind of the unknowns that surround that, mainly due to, of course, his history injury to this point and um, really kind of the unknowns that are going to be surrounding him as we go into the season on whether he's going to start and really what kind of what kind of physical condition uh, getting back from the injury that we can really expect him to be, seeing as how this offseason has been far different than, than any that we've ever really seen before on uh, getting, you know, getting an inside look as far as their offseason trainings and, and, and things that the, that the team would be doing are kind of put on hold or pushed back for now um, as they continue doing the, the online Zoom meetings as a team. Uh, there have been the reports that that Tua has been in the facility now and has been working. Uh, I've heard I've heard quite a few, and a lot of them are probably hype reports, uh, as is common in the off season. You see a lot of players hyped up, and, and a lot of a lot of really nice talk about players. If you're hearing bad things about players during the off season, then that's that's really not going to be a good sign. Because as far as the coaches and, and everybody who has an inside look to these players is concerned, they're going to really talk them up and talk about the progress that they're making. And that has been the case for Tua. Um, they talked about how he's putting it, been putting in quite a bit of work, uh, putting in the hours of work, and uh, really, really been making a lot of progress, really looking like he's going to be 100% from the season is, is what is what we've been hearing from a lot of people, which is great to hear, uh, regardless if it's just hype or, or, uh, or not. It's good to hear that at least... He's he's regardless of reading between the lines of that you you can take away that he's made quite a bit of progress from where a lot of people thought he would be. Um, saying he's going to be 100 percent for the year or that he's been looking phenomenal, uh, you know that that can be a little that can be a little bit of overhype uh, sometimes. But I, I do feel that the people around him have have been properly evaluating where he's been at, and they they seem to be blown away by it. So I, I feel like that's good news for all of us, and it, it really should make for an exciting. Um, beginning of the year whenever they're finally able to start some form of practice uh, up until the preseason as far as what we might see 
for a possible quarterback battle. And what, what I'm sure is going to be a quarterback battle, if we know Brian Flores at all by now, we know that he's he's certainly not going to um, pull any punches away from being you know not not afraid to not afraid to put somebody on the, on the depth chart ahead of the other one or. Uh, not willing to start who he sees is the best fit and the best person to get wins for this team. But kind of transitioning that onto what I was saying about uh, Chris Sims' statement about about uh, Jared Stidham being better than Tua. Um, so Jared Stidham coming into his first real chance uh, to be the starter for an NFL team and, of course, being the New England Patriots at this point, uh, he, his his situation is, in, in my opinion, even more convoluted than than Tua's is. Uh, when you look at when you look at Tua's situation, you you know exactly where he's at. Um, you you already know about the injury history. You already know about his recent play in college and the the heights that he can play to. Uh, you know about um, who he is competing with. That's going to be set in stone for the most part, uh, barring some sort of surprise from the coaching staff. Um, but we also know about this team. We know about the pieces that are set in place. We know about their strengths and weaknesses for the most part. Uh, we know, we kind of get a rough look on who we believe are going to be a lot of starters in a lot of different positions. Uh, so other than having the, the young talent and a new makeup of the team, we have a good idea about who are going to be the key pieces going forward. And whether that means two is going to be starting or not, um, this is still going to be yet to be seen, uh, but we do know at least that whenever he is put in there, that what what could hold him back as far as his own physical uh, setbacks, barring you know the injury or possible re-injury, which would we, we all hope not, uh, but we also do know what can kind of be uh, something that could set him back as far as the team's concerned as well, being the obviously the offensive line. Uh, needing to learn and mesh together, um, as well as maybe the receivers trying to get familiar with their new quarterback, even a left-handed quarterback. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff up in the air with that. But as far as Tua's talent is concerned, I mean that really speaks for itself. There's been a lot of a lot of talk, and a lot of the the haters will point to the fact that he played for Alabama. He played for a you know an all a world-class, talented uh, collegiate team. Uh, one of one of the best and some of the best teams that we've ever seen, um, uh, you know, the, as far as product put out on the football field because they've been so dominant, and even even though they've you know seemed to, the other teams have, have kind of seemed to come to their level as far as Clemson and other teams are concerned, uh, but they still have always been a contender and always been a team that can really beat anybody, and uh, a lot of people think that that's just he's just kind of a product of that system. Uh, that the the talent of the the quarterbacks and the running backs, the lines, the defense overall, and the coaching have really helped to kind of make him into the top prospect that he is, and that his talent may not quite be to the level that many see him as because of that. Um, and I can certainly understand that argument. And my, I mean, really, I can make my points as far as. That his uh, completion percentage has been what it is, and that's him throwing the ball. And obviously, as a receiver, need to catch it as well. But he's—I think that he's made just as many pro 
level players come out as far as the receivers and other ones are concerned as as they've made him into the uh, pro player that that he hopefully will be or is expected to be uh, but again really the the only thing that that I can say to that argument because I do understand it is that you know only the only time can tell and that's that's kind of that's kind of the that's kind of the saying that both sides are really going to have to cling to because I mean you can debate back and forth all day and throw numbers at each other but in the end you're just going to have to see and see if uh, that talent's going to transition over but as far as what his talent was at the collegiate level you really can't argue it I mean it speaks for itself he's a champion um, he is he is a multi-facet quarterback that his decision making is is many times impeccable um, still a little bit of work to be done as far as uh, going through his checkdowns, but you can see that he does go through them. You can watch multiple different layers of tape uh, to where he is able to read the entire field better than than many, many, many other players. And so that's a huge benefit of his. And I think that's something that's going to benefit this team extremely well, having um, maybe not what many anal- uh, analysts and, and, and people would consider to be a top-level receiving core, uh, but it's certainly a talented one, and it's full of size and speed. And so that's going to f- mesh well, and it, I think it's going to be familiar to him uh, whenever you compare it to what he's been used to at Alabama. And uh, so going over to Stidham, I don't, I, I, ca- I can't break down as much of the player. I haven't went back and watched, you know, a bunch of tape or anything on Stidham. Um, but, I mean, they did draft him. I, I want to say he was a... A later draft round of theirs, I, I think. I'm probably completely wrong. I could be completely wrong. I'm trying to just remember off the top of my head. I'm actually actually recording this while I'm driving down the road, so I've got it kind of setting next to me here and talking into it, just kind of relaying thoughts. Um, so again, I can't I can't quite remember that, but I, from what I remember, I think that was the case. And we haven't really got to see much of him, um, except for you know preseason or different times when he's been able to. To, to make a few plays, and I mean, it's not like, I, I can't come out and say he's a bum, but I can't say that I've been overly impressed either, and I mean, it's gonna it's gonna play into a lot of the same kind of stuff, where we're just gonna have to kind of wait and see whenever he gets out there, and is able to to work with this unit, and we're gonna get to see them in, you know, in real real-time game action, uh, not preseason type of games, and see what he's able to make out of it, um, but the, I mean, as far as the talent between them goes, I, I, I just don't think that there's a comparison to be made. Uh, if you're going off of only what we know from Tua coming out with his uh, amazing numbers that he's been able to put up at Alabama, and when you look at Stidham and his situation, uh, which isn't really fair comparing the talent level of the two, and maybe that's what Chris Sims was going for, was just to say that you know, between he thinks that Stidham is the more gifted, um, that he's the more pro player, I guess. And so, I mean, a lot of people talk about Sam Darnold in being that way. Is that we haven't we've seen flashes of him being a pretty good quarterback, but we haven't seen him put it all together and look like a, an elite stud type quarterback. Um, and so maybe that's kind of what he was going for was to to just compare the two of them as 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 players, physical, um, kind of the whole package, I guess. But when you look at the situation that he's going to be underneath, he's going to have Bill Belichick as his coach, which is a, which is a huge positive for him, obviously. Uh, going to help him in 
trying to come into his own and really seeing what he can do. And I mean, there's there's there may be better situations team wise that he could do that with, but you'd be hard pressed to find a better coach uh, to get that kind of start with. Um, following up in the shoes of Tom Brady is certainly going to be a, a chore and something that's not going to be easy for him. But being able to sit behind and learn from him uh, certainly is going to be a huge strength. Uh, taking that knowledge that he's been able to take away from Tom Brady, I don't think I've kind of heard the stories that Tom Brady isn't isn't quite the one, the mentor, uh, the the player that's sitting behind him. And so, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much one-on-one coaching or anything that he's got from Brady. I imagine I imagine Brady's still the kind of guy that's gonna that's gonna you know throw the throw the tips and tricks out there and, and help the guy out, um, especially knowing that as long as he was going to be there, he was going to be the starter and nobody was going to take his spot. Uh, even, even with the slightly declining play that we saw the last couple of years, he's still been you know, a top level quarterback and an elite quarterback who can read defenses and run offenses better than just about anybody else. So I, I could certainly see him throwing, throwing some bones his way. And, um, uh, I mean, even regardless of that, just being able to sit behind him and watch him in practice, Watch him break down plays and watch him go through tape has got to be, got to be a huge advantage for him. Um, so he's going to have that in his corner. Uh, as far as his team is concerned, is where I seem to be scratching my head. Is because I'm not sure, and I broke it down quite a bit in the last one. I'm not going to go all the way into it. Um, I, I feel like I talked about it enough before, but. Think you know, just thinking about the team around him, the 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 level of uh, weak areas on on the team, I guess is the best way I can put it, is is really going to hurt him, and just kind of the unknowns that we're going to get from the Sony Michels and uh, and the receiving core, who we really we really just don't know, we have no idea, and I mean I. I would uh, stand up to anybody and, and say that the Miami Dolphins receiving core is, is better than the New England Patriots. I'd be very fast to say that. And we've seen Sony Michelle have some big games. We've seen him have some big games in big situations like the playoff run. And so, I mean, I would, I would give them the advantage in that area only because I don't know how Jordan Howard and Matt Breida are going to work out quite yet. But... Um, but, I mean, their offensive line play has, has been kind of back and forth. The defense will hopefully help him out. And that's kind of probably what they're going to be banking on going into this year and years forward until they're able to strengthen that back up. And they're probably not going to do that until after this year whenever they can see if Stidham's going to be the real deal or if they're going to have to go into the draft or free agency uh, either during this year or next year uh, to try to find that quarterback that they can try to build an offense around while their defense is still young and, and fairly young and talented and they're still kind of they're still kind of in a window where Bill Belichick is, is going to try to make a competitive team and so he's going to expect big things from Stidham and we're going to have to see if he can if he's actually going to be able to to compete or kind of buckle under the pressure I see personally if I had to not, I'm not going to compare him, um, really, but I would say I would expect the kind of level of Ryan Tannehill type play out of Stidham. I would think, without, without you know, lo- looking at a bunch of stuff. I don't know about the rushing yards. I'm not really sure how big of a rusher he is, um, but I, I think the kind of 
accuracy numbers, the kind of yardage he can put up and in, in, in just kind of play style, I, I see that kind of being the outcome for him if I had to make a guess, not knowing really anything else right now. And, I mean, to his ceiling, uh, if he's completely healthy, uh, if he is able to mesh well with the players and get things going, I mean, I, I don't really know what I would call a ceiling for him. Uh, realistically, you know, without without saying something that would be so far out there that uh, you know would make me sound like an even more of an idiot than I probably do on my own, uh, but I do I do see him having a much higher ceiling um, than than Jared Stidham overall, and so whenever I take all everything into uh, everything into account and put everything together, I just don't I don't see how they would come out with it with a take like that. I really don't. And it was it was it was kind of frustrating to see, but it just kind of goes along with the the negative narratives and the the stigma that's kind of over Miami and and a lot of the decisions that they've made and it's because of it's deserving because of the past decisions that they've made, but but we do hope that they've you know, in recent in recent memory that they've been able to make some of these picks that they've made and a few quite a few of them have have come along all right and um, so, go, I mean, going forward, we can only hope that, that Tua was another one of those and that he's going to be that outstanding player we all hope he can be. Uh, kind of going into the next thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the news that I'm sure everybody has heard, and that was that Xavier Howard will not be suspended by the NFL. Um, I think that was some pretty big news for Miami, Miami Dolphins fans, and, and I was very excited to hear it myself. I obviously hope that um, the allegations that were against him are false. I mean, as, as I'm sure all of you hope so as well. Um, I, I, re- I really, really do, because hearing the news, it was, it was very tough to hear, and, and uh, you know, being, in, being an officer, uh, it's, something that, it's something that I don't take lightly when I hear things like that. It's certainly a big deal, um, and it's something that if somebody does, they, they, you know, they, they deserve to, to be accountable for their actions. And I've always kind of, uh, I've always kind of stood by that and I hold it accountable for myself as well. Absolutely. I mean, any, any, but any, but any actions, you know, that are wrong or that are taken, you know, we all have to answer for them in some way and, and rightfully so. And, um, but, it, but again, I really hope that I really do hope that they were false. I know that the charges were dropped. Um, and that is, is not always, not always a telltale sign of what what is true and what's not true, uh, but but I'm just kind of going off of what we know and where we're at, and, and that is that that he's not going to be suspended by the NFL. And so, as far as a fan and for the player, I, I am excited about that. I've I've really been looking forward uh, to seeing him uh, play alongside Byron Jones, uh, as I'm sure you all are as well. And uh, it definitely serves to be a very strong combo along with uh, Noah Igbenogany um, and, and kind of what that backfield can possibly shape up to be this year. And that doesn't mean that we're completely out of the woods yet. Um, I've heard a couple people talk that it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Brian Flores you know, could, could suspend Xavier Howard as far as the team's concerned. And um, Brian Flores is—he's—he's he's somebody that's going to hold you accountable. He is a true man's man. He's going to 
uh, teach you how to be a better person. And if he does think that you've done something wrong and he uh, believes that you need to be punished for it, he's going to do that. And he's not going to hesitate regardless of who the player is and how important they are to the team. Uh, that's just not the way he rolls. And that's great. It's, it's completely respectable. And, and if, if something like that does come down, then, I mean, hey, we can all get behind it because we trust Coach Flo and, and believe that, that he's going to do what's best for the team and for the player. And um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that as we get closer to time. I mean, it, and it could even be something as small as making him set a preseason game, which, I mean, I mean knowing, knowing Xavier Howard and knowing the injury that he's just come off of, I mean, I, I don't know how much preseason he's going to play anyway. Um, but I, you know, there's a, there's a chance it could be for half a game. It could be one game. It could be whatever he decides. But but just to, just to clarify that we're not, not really out of the woods on it yet. But, but it was big news to come out, and it's uh, something that's going to uh, be, have a big impact as far as this defense is concerned going into the year. Well... Without, uh, without any other things to talk about today, I'll go ahead and get in. We can finish up the uh, the uh, roster break, or I'm sorry, not the roster, the schedule breakdown, and um, then hopefully I'll come back to you whenever we've got some other news and things going on. Uh, but where I left off last time was with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders game, and Miami's going to be traveling to Las Vegas. And I, I briefly said a couple of quick things about the two games uh, before I had to end the podcast last time. But um, going to Las Vegas, uh, it's going to be a pretty good place to play at the end of the year. I mean, you can't you can't really complain. I mean, Miami's going to be a good place to play at the end of the year too. Uh, but but Las Vegas isn't isn't so bad. Uh, the weather should be fine for a football game there. As you can, I'm not really sure what their uh, I haven't really looked at the new design for their uh, for their stadium yet. I don't know if it's going to be a dome or if it's going to be open. I mean, it's going to be... I mean, in that area, I don't see why it couldn't be open. But I just haven't really looked into it personally. But I'm sure it's going to be a really nice one. It, it, being in that location and being in that city, it's sure to draw, you know, big crowds. Uh, a lot of travel for, for away teams. I, I would sure love to see a game there myself someday. Um, I, can, I can imagine that it's going to be a hot spot. And so I, I can I can see them selling out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I do see it would be nice that if, if Miami was in a decent position at the end of the year, maybe hopefully playing for something, uh, or at least a chance for something, that I, I would think that that would be a good place for a lot of fans to try to travel to expenditure-wise. And especially with them trying to really get started in a new place, I think that that could be a decently affordable game uh, for a lot of fans to go to. So that would that would be a lot of fun. I, I don't see it being a huge disadvantage for the team, other than the travel itself. Um, as far as the stadium's concerned, I wouldn't be overly worried about that, especially since um, the Raiders are going to be playing in that stadium for the first time this year themselves. Uh, but it's definitely exciting looking into it, though. Um, I think that... Uh, when you really look at the Raiders team and, and kind of their makeup right now, uh, they've they've got some really strong pieces. They've got uh, they've got Derek Carr. They've got uh, Josh Jacobs, who's a, a excellent looking running back. Um, he looks like he's he's a excellent dual threat running back and somebody that can really take advantage of the situations that he's put in. He's he's showed that quite a few times, and. Um, uh, they brought in the uh, likes of Henry Ruggs, 
to to kind of bolster up that receiving core, especially after they lost uh, Mari Cooper. Um, so they've, they've continued to try to bring in talent to surround Derek Carr. Um, and he's always, he's had his moments where he's looked amazing, but he's really kind of been back and forth and he's definitely struggled at times. And I'm not, you're just never really sure what, what you're going to get out of him, what, what kind of quarterback you're going to see. And uh, so going into this year, I don't really know what I expect out of them. I know that Henry Ruggs is a great receiver, um, and they've got some other decent pieces. They've got a good mix between their offensive defense. They've got a, a lot of young talent, and they do have some veterans mixed in there as well, and some veterans that are still playing at a pretty good level. And so they're a team that can compete. Uh, they're a team that, yeah, unfortunately for them, is playing in the AFC East with the Chiefs and the up-and-coming up Broncos and the Chargers, who, I mean, could compete with them, but I don't really know between the two of them. I kind of see them battling it out for the third and fourth spot in that division, personally. Uh, so I don't, <clears throat> I don't really know. I think that being in that division is going to really hurt them because they're a team that's good enough to compete with teams, but uh, being in that one, it's going to be tough for them to get enough wins to really uh, help them put, or put them in a position where they can try to make a run at something at the end of the year. And I think it's going to be beneficial to Miami as we play them the next last game of the year. Uh, that, that could be something where they don't have too much to play for, and if we do... And well, we've seen how that narrative can go. We've seen the teams with nothing to play for beat the teams with something to play for. Uh, we did it to the Patriots last year. And, it, you know, a lot of pride comes into it there, a lot of good coaching and a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work and, and will to win from players uh, can, can make the difference for that. But I think that I do see it as a winnable game, um, but it's certainly one that they can lose at the same time because they do have uh, some of the some of the strengths that have been partial weaknesses for Miami uh, over, over the past years and whether they've been able to properly address those this offseason to strengthen up those areas is yet to be seen so we'll just kind of have to play on what we know or what we've seen in the past up to now uh, going into the final game of the year uh, it is against the Buffalo Bills and it's going to be in Buffalo, and we all hate that game. <laughs> I know that I've, I don't know if everybody does, but I know that I've, I have personally hated that game for years and years and years. I hate it whenever we have to play the Bills on the road at the end of the year. I, I think it's a huge advantage for them, which is good. I mean, it's part of that home field advantage. I mean, we have the, we have the Florida heat that everybody always talks about, and. Um, but but yeah, they they certainly they certainly have a home field advantage at the later part of that year, uh, especially against a very warm weathered team like the Miami Dolphins. Um, and so so when I mean whenever you really look into it though, it's like if if it's going to be snowing, if it's going to be frigid cold, if it's going to be all of these kind of terrible things that you can think of. Um, I mean, it's you can say it's a home field advantage, and it may be slightly, but no, but nobody. I don't know. Well, I'm sure there's some players that really like to play in that, but I can't imagine anybody really wanting to play in that. You know, um, so it makes it difficult for everybody. I mean, that's why they always say in the in the games where it rains and the games where it snows, the inclement weather at all, 
Uh, they say that it can either hurt the running game here, hurt the passing game there. So it's always got its its ways of, of really kind of hurting teams uh, in certain areas, uh, depending on what what's actually going on. Um, but lo- but looking into it, um, we I already broke down the Bills in the last episode uh, for the first time that we're going to play them, and uh, so I don't I don't feel a need to go into it too much. We we really kind of know what to expect as far as that team goes and how they're coached and how their makeup is right now. Um, and whenever you dive down into the game itself here at the end of the year specifically, I feel like it's going to be a very, very extremely difficult game for Miami to win. And I feel I feel like even if even if Miami's on a goes on some kind of miraculous thing where they've, they've turned it around, uh, they've won there have been even nine games up to this point, let's say, and they, they could be going for their 10th win, and that's just hypothetical. I mean, I I don't know if I realistically see that happening, but just just for uh, just for the sake of, of talking through this, even if they do have something to play for at the end of the year there, I, I do believe that Buffalo is probably going to have something to play for as well, and they've probably got a better chance of having something to play for than Miami does, um, just judging by their last couple of seasons. But... I mean, even if even if going into this game that were the case and both teams had something to play for, this is going to be an extremely difficult game for them to win. It's going to be um, very, very difficult because you're going to be going into not only an extremely difficult climate, um, having something to play for, they're going to have a very rowdy, a very loud crowd. They're going to be pumped up. And whenever you think about the makeup of this team, as I discussed a lot more, I'll just touch on it briefly, uh, but having the ability to run the ball, um, having a decent offensive line, especially as far as running the ball goes, uh, and having the ability to not only run with their running backs, but their quarterback, uh, who's an excellent runner, and their defensive makeup, which is the bread and butter of their team, uh, and the, the powerhouse of their team, and their, their defense is very strong. Both of those things mixed in with a possible bad weather situation, especially knowing that it's going to be cold, not even just bad weather. We know it's going to be cold. I mean, it's got to be other than global warming suddenly t- taking over to the full effect at that time of the year, uh, which we, I guess I, we, we shouldn't all hope for, <laughs> but just, I guess not, not a, not a funny joke, but, but, um, but that would be the only thing that I could see helping us out of the situation because the, the makeup of their team is going to be perfect for that late year inclement weather into the playoffs kind of mentality as far as having good defense the ability to run the ball and all they really need is is Josh Allen to kind of get his get his decision making and his uh, completion percentages up a little bit and uh, that's that's really what they're going to be working on hard Um, but I, I see that again as being a very difficult game to win uh, but that's going to do it as far as the breakdown of the schedule for this coming year. Um, I've, I've heard since, since I made the last podcast, I've heard some more negative news as far as what the outlook for the 2020 season could entail because of uh, um, obviously the, the, the events going on around uh, the country and around the world and how that's going how it's been impacting sports and how it may continue to impact sports there, there was a lot of positive talk coming out but now they're really starting to kind of break it down and look at it and it's it's got a lot of a lot more question marks it seems like every time you take away a couple of question marks you add quite a few more on and 
I don't really know what's going to happen again, but I I do hope for the beginning of the season. And if not, then we'll just we'll keep talking. We'll kind of prep up, and maybe I'll. Uh, I was thinking about doing a upcoming show on what could possibly happen uh, if if the season was to get canceled. Kind of where where we would go, what we would be looking at. I I mean I I would do a show as far as what the team would be doing and what the makeup of the team would be looking like would be looking like from this year to the next year uh, and that's that's saying that I don't know if they're going to play a partial season or if they would try to get uh, part of a season in later on as a lot of the, the teams like Major League Baseball have been trying to do um, so I that would that would be taking into account that that not happening and if it was just a clean slate no games until next year uh, which which is probably unlikely seeing as how there's a lot of money to be had uh, with with the NFL but they certainly want to do what's safe for the players and for the fans and and so we'll just kind of keep an eye on that and obviously as we get uh, closer to the season if if it seems like uh, everything's a go then I will kind of do a rough breakdown of the schedule just to give picks uh, more official picks as we get closer to time when it's more appropriate for that uh, but I think it's going to be about it for me today. Um, I wanted to say before I ended the podcast that I would like to get some questions brought my way from uh, from some people who are viewing. Uh, if you would like to, I would uh, like to discuss some things further. And, and I'm sure every, it seems like every time I get on to do something, I draw a blank on many things. And I've got to kind of talk my way through some certain spots that I get myself in. But it would be nice to, for some people to bring some new ideas my way, some new discussion points, or even some questions that you might have. I'm not, I, I'll be happy to do any research on something that I don't know to give you a better opinion, uh, but I, and I do promise to do that. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll do my very best to kind of try to articulate a situation or at least give you somebody else's opinion, and that's kind of what this is about, and that's what I want from you all too, is just, just to get just to get different opinions on things. Um, I love to talk about that. I love to discuss uh, yeah, anything you really want to talk about as far as the schedule, as far as the team, specific players, opponents. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about football, and that's that's why it's by far my favorite sport. Uh, but if, if you want to submit a question or, or an idea or anything to me, uh, you can go on my Facebook. I believe that I have it linked with this. Uh, but my Facebook, my name is Tyler Moss, T-Y-L-E-R-M-O-S-S. And uh, you can find me on Facebook. I, I, like Again, I think I, I think I tried to copy the link in uh, with the podcast. And I'll double check whenever I end this and see, see if I did. Um, just goes to show my, <laughs> my inexperience of this. But, but I'll, I'll try to make sure that's there. Um, the picture, it's, it's a picture of me and my family. I've got some weird-looking red and black checkered flannel shirt on for, for a family photo that we posed for um, whenever we were taking some pictures. Uh, but that, that's what the picture looks like. Um, but yeah, and if you're not sure it's, if it's me or not, feel free to just shoot a message and, and check if it's me, you know, and I'll, uh, I'll definitely be happy to reply to anybody that wants to talk, that wants, uh, that has any questions. And again, please, please submit some stuff on there and, and hopefully I'll get to the point where I can you know, um, actually be better at talking through different points and having, uh, certain segments that I can do and, and, you know, questions and talking about that will certainly be part of that as well. Um, but yeah, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. 
I will come back to you as soon as I can with another episode and fins up everybody.